All I can say is that's a hard act to follow right there. What a beautiful tribute to Memorial Day, which we will be celebrating tomorrow. And um, I'm, I'm just going to make one point that part of the message today is how we can mimic Christ. How can we follow his example? Because here's the guarantee. When we follow his example, then we are going to be, be doing exactly like God wants it to be done. And every time I look at uh, Arlington Cemetery, I've been there a number of times. Every time I go there, I can't help but be moved by that concept that they laid down their lives for us. And what was it that Jesus did for us? The same thing. So when we sacrifice our own welfare for the good of all of the others, we are walking the walk. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. You heard part of the whole section. I just want to capture three verses, remind you of three verses. The verses are verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Those are some of the most beautiful words ever penned by the Apostle Paul. Paul offers us in these words essentially a weapon, a weapon to overcome and defeat those things that challenge our faith, those things which pull us away from what God has promised. And there's not two more important ones than fear and anxiety and worry. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but if I asked if there was anybody in the room that was a worrywart, would I get some responses? That's all I need to know. Now, I'm not bragging, but I want to tell you I've raised it to an art form. I seem to have been born with a propensity to always worry. As I've gotten older, I've found out that about 99% of the things that I worry about never happen. But that's looking back. I now want to look forward. How can we prevent wasting our time and our energies, which are counterproductive for what God wants to see going on in our lives. Um, now, here's something about worry that I want you to remember, and that is sometimes it masquerades itself as a very good characteristic. Okay. Uh, at the department, most of you know that I worked at the Department of Public Safety for 21 years as a police officer, as well as serving Lutheran congregations in the valley. And uh, we had a, a kind of a plan if you wanted to get promoted, if you wanted to go from officer to sergeant or sergeant to lieutenant, uh, you had to work at it. And the advice that most of the old timers would tell you is if you really want to get promoted, you got to do this. First of all, go get yourself a clipboard, tuck it under your arm and walk fast and look worried. I found that to be probably true, very, very true. Uh, because when we look at people who worry, sometimes it does look like a good characteristic. These are the people that are very conscientious about their responsibilities. They're going to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. They're not gonna let the loose ends go unattended. 
And so sometimes we can kind of think, well, maybe my worry is pleasing God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because you see, what I'm going to tell you today is that our worrying, our fretting, and our wanting to take control of situations are very counterproductive to what God has in mind for our lives and our relationship with him and our relationship with other people. Never underestimate the power, the negative power that worry and anxiety can bring to your life. First of all, it can bring terrible health problems. More and more studies now are showing that that worrying is one of the worst things that you can do for your long-term health. Now, I told you that I was a, 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 almost an expert in the area of, of worrying, and it probably happened when I had my first heart attack at 40 years old. That's also when I had my first five-time bypass. 40 years old. I'm proud to tell you that that was 33 years ago, and I've outlasted the doctor's uh, prognosis who told me that old, old age would not be a problem for me. I kind of worried about that one a little bit. But I'm proud to tell you that I'm here today. I don't know where he is. Okay. But we don't want to underestimate that it can kill us physically. It also ruins relationships. First of all, it can ruin a relationship between a husband and wife. If you've got people who are very uh, sensitive about uh, that when people worry, it drives them nuts. Well, today I'm proud to tell you that today is my 50th wedding anniversary. Mrs. Pope and I have been married for... She deserves a purple heart and two aspirin for that 50 years because I drove her crazy being a worrywart. She knew I was. She didn't really always like the way I was, but she still loved me. And that's, that's, that's a tribute to her, believe me. Okay, but it can be hard on relationships between husband and wife and with other members of the family. It can cause relationship problems with our friends. But it is a terrible thing to happen because it has such a negative impact on your relationship with God. God doesn't want you to worry. God wants you to trust. That's why one of the most special gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us is the gift of faith. That's the ability to trust God at his word. Faith is the ability, the power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, I trust you. I may not understand it. I may not like the path that we're going to walk together, but I know that you're with me. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. But if we're always worrying and we're always trying to take control, it disturbs that relationship. Let me assure you that worry was not part of God's design when he created this world. It wasn't a design flaw on the part of the creator, but on the created that ruined what God, the way God wanted his creation to be. And that is for us to love him and trust him and let him lead us through what life as he would have us to lead. The existence of worry is rooted in a rebellion that took place 
way back in Genesis 3. You remember the incident there? Had to do with the tree, had to do with the snake, had to do with some kind of fruit. Okay, that was more than just a little ditty back there. That is what explains what we're still dealing with today. And that is that we stepped in, we took control, and we did it our way instead of his way. And in the process, we destroyed the relationship the way that he designed it to be. It's kind of interesting what the first reaction was of the man or the woman when they were confronted with their sin. Remember what they did? They went and hid. You know why? Because they were worried. And they should have been worried. They had just gone against the will of their creator. And the world would never be the same again. When Adam and Eve sinned, the relationship between God and his creation was broken. We didn't have the wherewithal to fix it. We couldn't fix what was broken. Because our sin rendered us unacceptable in the presence of God, and I'll explain that in a minute, Adam and Eve got their walking orders, so to speak. They were told to leave the garden. Now, as it turned out, that was a punishment for what they had done and by not obeying their God. But more than that is, they had to leave because they didn't fit there anymore. Their sin rendered them as imperfect. And what is God? Perfect or imperfect? Oh, he's perfect. It's not with uh, rarity that I get asked a question sometimes by my confirmands. And they ask me, Pastor, is there anything that God can't do? And I tell them, I only think one thing. I can only think of one thing. He cannot go against his nature. Sometimes they ask, well, why did, why did God have to go to all the trouble to send Jesus? Why didn't he just, just say, y'all are forgiven? Because that would have been going against his will. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Now we can talk about Jesus coming into the world. Jesus came into the world to fix what sin had broken so that we could once again coexist with our God and that we could be comfortable in his presence and he was comfortable to have us in his presence so that we could relate one-on-one -on -one again as he created us to do. So Jesus came into the world, did for us what we couldn't do, and that is to fix what sin had broken in our relationship. And had God not taken the steps to do something to fix that situation, we would still be the enemies of God. We would be outsiders, looking in, hoping. But God had to have it fixed. And God provided the fix, and that was his son Jesus. Beautifully stated in the book of Galatians, in the fullness of time, that is when the time was just right, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. You know who those are? That's us. He came to restore that relationship that he wants to have with you and for me. Faith is the gift that God gives me that enables to put my trust in him. By nature, we don't trust very many things. 
And we sometimes try to transfer that trust to us. And so we feel like we have to take control. We don't like feeling out of control at all, I can tell you that. I see it over and over and over in people's lives. When they are the most miserable is when they feel things are out of control. The world is moving too fast for them. And the things that ought to be happening aren't happening. And the things that ought not be happening are happening. Today I talk to people who have virtually quit watching TV right at the present time because what's going on in the world right now, all the bickering and the fussing about how to fix things and who's going to be elected and who... They just said, we've had it. It's too disturbing. And so what do they do? They crawl back into themselves and hope things will go okay. God's got a better answer than crawling back in our hole. And that is to come to him, pray with him, spend time with him, build that relationship that Jesus died for us to enjoy once again. That's God's plan. He fixed us. He fixed what was broken. He rebuilt the bridge so that we could once again be in his presence. And now he wants us to make the most of it. If you ask what God wants uh, you and I to do, uh, the, I think I could sum it up this way. He wants us to take every opportunity that we have to get back to that relationship that he intended to happen in the first place. And that is to trust him and not ourselves. He says, lean on my power to get things done. Don't you go try to take control. I'm not sure God says this, but I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, because you'll mess it up. Sometimes we don't know what to do with power. And sometimes we pull away from the real power for a false sense of power. God doesn't want that. And so God encourages us to take advantage of what Jesus came to do, and that is to reestablish the relationship with God. So that he is not just a, a little speck over here that we wish we were closer to, to where he truly comes in and occupies our very being. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Love that story. Love that story. Um, this was the son who... Um, kind of got away, started straying, got lost, went out and blew all the money his dad had uh, set aside for him. And when he had run out of money and run out of opportunities and run out of ideas, what did he decide to do? Go home. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I left. In fact, it's looking real good right now. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to that day when I will be in the physical presence of the Almighty and the place that he has created for those of us who trust in him and believe in what he has offered to us and then accept it. Absolutely, God stands ready to welcome us home, just like the, the father of the prodigal son. Did the son deserve what he got from his father? Did the father decide to make it a, a big deal that the son had come home because, after all, he's been a real good son? No. No. In fact, he had done just about everything to uh, sort of disassociate himself from his father. But finally, he learned that being with his father was his only salvation. 
You and I can crave to have that relationship with God in heaven, but we can have a piece of it right now. And that's a growth process that we call sanctification, one that's performed for us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, which we just celebrated a while, just a few weeks back. And the coming of the Holy Spirit was the coming of a whole treasure chest of gifts that God gives us that enables us to reach out and take what he offers to us so that we can have the kind of relationship that he wants us to have with him. Well, we want to, first of all, know that God stands ready to walk with us every step of the way. I don't know about you, but I'm very comforted about that. I can remember one time being lost in the woods. Not a good feeling when you're 12 years old. And I knew that there were snakes out there. I knew there were dangerous things out there. Sometimes I can feel that way about the world in which we live. There's a few snakes out there. It's a scary place sometimes. But God says, look, you put your trust in me. And your heart and your mind will experience this wonderful gift that I offer you called peace. But peace has an enemy. The number one enemy of peace is when we say, I think I'll do it myself. I think I'll do it myself. I have to take control because things are out of control and I don't see anything that's going to help me except if I get busy and try to save myself. Bad choice. God says, turn to me. Those of you who are, who are burdened, who are heavy laden, those of you who are scared to death, you don't know where to turn. Well, turn to me, he says. Take the quality gifts that I offer you to build our relationship. He says, look at what I say to you in his word, in, in God's word. He says, don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Don't, look at the birds. Look what I do for the birds. You know, they can't sow, they can't reap, they can't amass all of the things that they need to survive, but I've given it to them. Look at them. And if I do that for a bunch of birds, what do you think I'm going to do for you? He says, don't be worried about what you're going to be wearing. Take a look at the flowers, the lilies of the field. Not a one of them can ever sew a stitch. And yet look how they are adorned. If I do that for a bunch of flowers, think of what I'm going to do for you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to dress up in. Leave that to the unbelievers to worry about that kind of stuff. Believe in me, trust in me. I will take care of you. I'll take care of you. Second, don't ever doubt your acceptance as a child of God through faith. Perhaps you doubt because you're having a little trouble forgiving yourself for some of your sins of the past. I know a lot of people who are walking around carrying the burden of the sins that they committed 15, 20 years ago. God says, get rid of that. That's a burden you don't need to carry because I paid for it. When my dad passed away, my sister was so sad because she had kind of made life rough as a teenager for my father. And... Um, we were at the cemetery, and my home pastor was there, the one who ordained me. And uh, 
She looked very, very sad. Well, people look sad at funerals, but she looked particularly distraught. And he said, well, what's the matter? And she says, I never got a chance to tell my dad how much I loved him, even though I acted the way I did. And he put his arm around her and he said, you can drop that right now. Jesus has already paid for it. That's one of the sins that Jesus came to take care of. We need to walk with the confidence that when we trust in God, God is willing to clean the page for us. God gives us the opportunity to feel free to devote all of our attention and our energies toward him. Don't worry about your egregious sins. There's no sin too big for God to forgive. Perhaps you doubt your fo the focus on a relationship with God because you're one of those repeat offenders. One of those repeat sinners. How many of you ever had to say I'm sorry about a particular sin more than once? There's some that I, I might as well just put them on a fixed list. And one of the things that I constantly pray to God is, Forgive me for not taking the opportunities that you offered me this week to build a relationship with you that you want to have with me. My sins of omission cause me a lot of trouble sometimes. Or I'm too tired to go do this. I'm too tired to go do that. Or I could have done that better. Listen, God's not up there grading your efforts He's grading the strength of your faith to trust him to come and say, I'm sorry. And I'm confident that you will forgive my sins. That's part of the relationship building that he wants to see. Third, God provides us the opportunity to enhance our relationship with him. Here, and I'm running short of time, but here. I just want to tell you that what God wants us to do is to become better and better in leaning on him and his promises. Give more credit to God than you do your efforts. Your efforts don't, hand, don't hold a candle to what God's efforts were for you on the cross. But God stands ready to release you from those so that you can focus in on his goodness and the opportunities that he gives you as his child in this world. Spend more time with him in prayer. Uh, I, you show me a relationship that lacks good communications, and I'll show you a relationship that is going to suffer. We need to communicate God with God on a, on a very regular basis. God says I can come to him at any time of the day, any time of the night, any place. And I can have a conversation with him. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation with God. God can't wait for you to have that conversation with him. And like I said, you can do it anywhere. Some of my best praying goes on in the car. Now, I'm going to tell you that those prayers don't involve folding my hands, bowing my head, or closing my eyes when I'm driving the car. One of my old buddies from the highway patrol would probably frown on that. But... It's a conversation with God. It's not a formal communication. You're not writing a speech for God. You're opening yourself to him with what's going on with you and what he has planned back. Okay. It also is an opportunity to uh, 
grow with other people, enhance our relationship with our fellow Christians. I want you to spend time, quality time, with Christians. This, this congregation looks like it gets along very well, spends time together, lots of events. Sometimes it's like belonging to a tribe. Now, the reason I say a tribe is because a tribe, by its very organization, is people taking care of people. You're not here to get, you're here to give. That's one of the lessons that we have to learn about our relationship with God. He doesn't have anything that we can give him except our trust and our love back for what he has done for us. So your key to heaven, uh, happiness, contentment, and peace is not finding ways to please God, but to accept and treasure what God has done for you throughout your lifetime. Celebrate the good news that Jesus has already taken care of our sins. We don't have to work those off. We simply present them to God and ask for forgiveness. And what do we get in return? We get that forgiveness. God is a great God. He's a loving God. A God who wants to spend time with you and he wants you to spend time with him. Because the more time we spend with him in this relationship that Jesus died so that we could have it, the better things are going to be in our lives and certainly pleasing to the Almighty. And now may the peace of God. You know what? The peace, absence of worry, absence of anxiety, getting rid of all of those things that kind of get in the way of our enjoying a good peaceful feeling. May the peace of God, not ours, but of God, that he has given to us, strengthen and preserve you in the true Christian faith. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds firm in this Christ Jesus. Amen.